Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Hello, darling listeners, and my apologies for being missing in action over the last few weeks. I've definitely not been resting on my laurels. I have been feverishly investigating for this week's explosive episode of All Fired Up, and I am chomping at the bit to get started. But first of all, I just want to say a massive thank you and a huge shout out to all of you faithful listeners, and I love all your messages. I've been having some particularly lovely ones lately. People letting me know how much the podcast has changed their viewpoint on diet culture and accepting the information that we're given. And that just, it just warms the cobbles of my heart to know that people are waking up and getting as pissed off as I am. So thank you for your words of love and fury and keep them coming. If you have a topic that you think we really need to dig into here at All Fired Up, please let me know. Send an email to louise at untrapped.com.au. Let me know what it is that's really firing you up and we'll see what we can do about it. And of course, if you're loving the podcast, I would really appreciate some devotion sent my way in the form of a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts from. The more people who know us and love us and who put that love out there onto the internet, the more people will hear the message and that's what this is all about. So please rate and review if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe so that if I am a little bit unpredictable with my uh, launches, as I have been known to be, then you won't miss the episode as soon as it pops up. Speaking of things popping up, have you got the free ebook? Everything you've been told about weight loss is bullshit. This is my ebook that I wrote with Fiona Willer, advanced accredited dietitian and uh, fearless anti diet crusader. In the ebook, we bust open the top 10 myths that are flying around diet culture, everything that we've been told about the meaning of being in a larger body, its impact on health and the benefits or so-called benefits of intentional weight loss revealed in this ebook. And I can't say enough how much of a wonderful resource it is in your life. You can give it to friends, you can give it to your partner, you can give it to your health provider, to your doctor, to your specialist, to your kid's teacher. Basically, give it to anyone who will listen because the more of us that wake up and realize that not everything we're being told about our weight is true or helpful, the sooner diet culture can topple and I can go off and become a florist. So if you want to get that ebook, you can go to my Instagram account, which is untrapped underscore AU and click on the link in my bio and you can download it there. Or you can go to untrapped.com.au and when you visit that website, the ebook will simply pop up and you can download it for free. And mentioning Untrapped, Untrapped is the online program and without Untrapped, I wouldn't be able to bring you this podcast. So Untrapped is my wonderful online community that I have created and it's an online course that runs for three months. 
It's designed for people who are struggling in diet culture, who are completely over dieting or trying to lose weight and recognizing sort of the futility of the weight loss merry-go-round. And it's easy, isn't it, to say, well, I'm tired of dieting, but it's quite hard to learn how to let go. And it's even harder to learn how to uh, return to a way of looking after your body and your mind and your relationship with food and movement without getting sucked back into diet culture. And that's what we do in Untrapped. We really dig into sort of unlearning the bullshit and relearning the implicit, intuitive stuff that was there before we all got interfered with. I can't say enough how wonderful the Untrapped community is and how helpful it has been for our members. And speaking selfishly, it's also really good for me because I just absolutely love connecting with so many people who are going on this anti-diet adventure and talking to people every day about what they're going through and how they're changing. It's just wonderful. So if you're struggling or if you know someone who is, let it go. Uh, come and join us at untrapped.com.au. And I've even got a little bit of a special deal at the moment. So if you do decide to join Untrapped, you can get a discount, which is fairly hefty. If you enter the code Fierce Compassion at the checkout. So on to today's show, in which we are taking a very close look inside an organization called the Obesity Collective. Now I need to apologize before we start this week's episode because for those of you who know me, I pretty much hate the word obesity and I try not to use it as much as possible because I'm aware of stacks of research and also stacks of my clients and friends' opinions that the word is extremely like implicitly medicalizing of body weight and quite a stigmatizing and in some cases just flat out appalling word. However, unfortunately, it's also the term that's most widely used to describe the pathologizing of people in larger bodies. Everywhere you turn, research is on obesity, not on people in larger bodies, and organizations are to do with obesity as opposed to people in larger bodies. So today, as today's episode is all about an organization called the Obesity Collective, in this episode, we are, uh, there's just so many O words and I just really want to apologize to everybody. And of course, if the word really is triggering, it might not be the best episode for you to listen to because there's a lot of O words in the following episode. I can reassure you, however, by saying that there are also quite a lot of swear words in this week's episode. And it's very clear that me and Mandy do not agree with the use of the word obesity and would love to see it eradicated. But just a heads up, there's a lot of O words. So in this week's episode, my uh, fearless guest is Mandy Lee Noble, who is an accredited practicing dietitian from Nourished Approach in Brisbane. She's completely anti-diet and she just really loves to take deep dives into the research and the setup of organizations, etc., in order to support her practice. Mandy helps people with higher BMIs to nourish their bodies overcome diet culture and advocate for themselves weight-centric health system. And Mandy is also currently the secretary of Hayes Australia. So Mandy's obviously a, a dear colleague of mine and we uh, had a great time 
investigating the topic and delving into it. So this is a bit of a long episode, so make sure you pour yourself an extra large glass of wine or extra large cup of tea, whatever floats your boat. But without further ado, I give you me and Mandy. So Mandy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. I feel very privileged. I'm a very enthusiastic listener. (laughs) (laughs) I travel a little bit for work, as you know, so I often listen to it in my travels um, when I'm driving around the place. So, yeah, I'm very excited to be a guest. Oh, my goodness. And so you're used to listening to everyone being fired up, but you're pretty fired up yourself. Do you want to tell me a bit about what's firing you up right now? Well, there is something that has always fired me up quite a bit and that is conflicts of interest and vested interests in healthcare in particular. It was actually, we stumbled across one which turned into a massive, massive rabbit hole. (laughs) That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm so glad that we finally get to meet and get this off our chests once and for all because you know what, this is something that fires me up too, conflicts of interest in healthcare, particularly conflicts of interest in weight-centric research or agendas because it's everywhere right now in diet culture and we don't talk about it enough. And I'm just super pumped to talk about all of this today. But you are right, Mandy, we have fallen down a rabbit hole for weeks over this. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, something that started off as a bit of a joke, really, got serious really quite quickly. So do you want to kind of tell a story of how we got here? Well, I think we were having a leadership meeting for Hayes Australia because I'm also on the leadership committee and we were kind of making some jokes about, and I'm going to use the I word now and... So I really hate it. But anyway, Obesity Australia, about their website. Now, they have some (laughs) on their website and they're rather hilarious under their resources tab. And we were kind of making fun of some of the advice on on these fact sheets. Well, it was really hard not to. So Obesity Australia, I hate the word too, but it's an organisation that really kind of runs a bit of an agenda here in Australia, which we'll definitely delve into. But yes, we were, I don't even know why we were looking on their website. We were just (laughs) discussing something around maybe a report that had come out or something like that. And I flicked onto the Obesity Australia website and I went, oh, look, there's some resources. And we found the (laughs) fact. We actually started going through them and found some very, well, I wouldn't even just say outdated, some even very bizarre advice about what one should do. Uh, oh my God, I know. I mean, let's, let's, Obesity Australia are supposed to be the preeminent, you know, these are the health professionals, these are the gurus, the big, powerful people, like the experts who do all the research. And then you look at these downloadable fact sheets. And like literally, seriously, so one of them, I have to, this is the one that really got me. First I'll say, like when you go and look at them, they look like a school report a grade niner has done the night before it was due. Like that's what they look like. I think we need to set the scene. Like, 
a couple of really badly written paragraphs. Yeah, in really small font. It, it looks, I mean, you know, it looked to me like someone like my dad's age was trying to use a computer and do a document. So one of them is, like, I think the fact sheet was something like drinks that you're allowed to have in order to lose weight. And it was a piece written by the former director of Obesity Australia, John Funder, whose diet tips, I think, came like directly from 1935. And I'm directly quoting here. Egg flips are probably the best protein drink or Miss Muffet's favourite tipple, curds and whey. <laughs> I love the language. Like, number one, I am very dubious about how many people would still know what an egg flip is, but also a tipple. Like, <laughs> do most people know what a tipple is? I don't know. It sounds a bit rude. But, yes, yeah, so apparently we should all be drinking curds and whey. <laughs> most people would know what curds and whey was i have no idea no so and what where would you get this like i think the closest thing you'd get from maybe curds and whey was like buttermilk or something like that which actually is a high protein drink but yeah that would be the closest thing that you would get commercially available unless you wanted to make your own cheese and collect some whey from that i suppose I still don't even know what whey is. So then he goes on to talk about fish and chips. He has a real grudge about fish and chips. Quote, fish and chips, the staple of Friday nights many in many Australian households, are a sugar, fat and salt nightmare. It would be a rare piece of fish that constituted 15% of the calories. Strip the batter off, put it in with the chips and pickled onion and look at the difference. <laughs> look at the difference. Like gross, no longer something I want to eat. Where did the pickled onion come from? <laughs> no one it came from. It came from some of d'oeuvres served in 1970, stuck on a stick, poked into an orange. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, my favourite one is where he repeatedly has a really another grudge against potato crisps. <laughs> he says that they are lethal. Now, I've got to tell you there is a bit of a rebel in me and ever since I've written, read that I have been out eating potato crisps and uh with with quite a bit of vigor and I'm yet well I'm still alive today I could be I could be dying shortly afterwards but well, you're, you're dicing with death there right there certainly one of my favorites is worth trying is Drinking Coke Zero as an alternative to fool yourself into eating slightly less. <laughs> and, you know, I suppose if you do it regularly enough, maybe you'll eat slightly less because you no longer have teeth. But this is a researcher. This is a heavily awarded researcher giving us diet tips like that it's from Weight Watchers. Like, and, and, and the diet tips, they suck. lose weight at any consequence. Like even if the thing that you're employing to lose weight is less beneficial to your health overall, that's okay. Just lose weight. And yeah. 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 So, um, it's quite a problem. There are actually even some more things that they say in these figures fact sheets, which for me as a dietitian, really I did find quite 
distressing. And one was made by, um, also written by John Bunder, where he says, at a personal level, one rule of thumb for maintaining a target weight as you grow older is to be the same weight as you were at 25. More fat and less bone and muscle, but it's a useful rule of thumb. Now, I have to tell you that that (laughs) advice is quite literally the opposite of what you should be doing when you're ageing. You should be defending your muscle and bone mass no matter what. And actually people who have weight, higher weights are healthier at an older age. So It's not even correct scientifically. No, no. Um, as we are humans, as we get older, just like all other animals, we just naturally get a bit bigger and that is usually a healthful thing to do. So, yeah, it's quite literally the opposite to that. Being well in old age is actually having as much bone density and muscle mass as you can you can manage to hold on to. Oh. So it was in these and fact sheets that we sort of started down the rabbit hole and I think there's some of the fact sheets actually do sort of start leading down the rabbit hole. So a to them was... Uh, Professor Joseph Proetto, yeah. um, who on the side doesn't disclose his affiliation with uh, a lot of pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> that make yeah. And he really, in his fact sheets that he wrote, you know, states that people can't really keep it off indefinitely and that instead they should be using appetite suppressing medications. So oh, wow. that there's starting to be a little bit of indication of what we found when we had a further little dig about obesity. Yeah, yeah. there's an agenda that is sort of peppered throughout these not really that full of fact sheets that does rear its ugly head. Like you do see in some of these fact sheets, I'm doing it in inverted commas, about they repeatedly kind of refer to the fact that weight loss is not possible for most people in the long term and they repeatedly kind of drop in things like being at a higher weight is a disease process and just just stuff that kind of unsettles your tummy a little bit more than if you just sculled a whole curtain way. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. So that that kind of, like it's funny because it's so out of touch with reality and it's so ludicrous. But then you start kind of wondering, well, who is OA and who is like, who are these organizations that are popping up and claiming expertise and leadership in the area of obesity? God, I hate that word. (laughs) Well, I think that people wouldn't be hearing so much about Obesity Australia right now because Mm. what they might actually be hearing a lot more about is the Obesity Collective. Wow. Now that sounds like a trendy cafe somewhere in Newtown. It does. Or (laughs) or a boy band or something. I don't know. Um, But they have been in the media quite a bit. So I think we'll describe who they are because they, this yeah. is the rabbit hole. This was at the entrance of the rabbit hole where things started to get a bit hairy, pardon the pun. It started to get a bit Alice in Wonderland straight away because, um, yeah, so the Obesity Collective, and they're newish, right? They are a new kind of organisation that's been... July, pretty- I think July 31, 2018 was their kickoff date where they... Um, uh, they had a bit of preliminary um, sort of meetings and stuff like that, but that was their official launch. Oh, happy anniversary. 
obesity collective i think yeah, um, yeah and guess where it happened so i've um i've recently done a blog actually about the charles perkins center which is at sydney university which is this completely swanky it cost half a billion dollars to build this center it's so well funded and it's um this new kind of trendy hub of research and disciplines dedicated to quote unquote eradicating lifestyle diseases such as obesity so and it's headed by professor uh, stephen simpson who is interesting in in himself we, we will definitely speak about him so the obesity collective it had their inaugural sort of launch at the charles perkins center because the head of the obesity collective is professor simpson yes yes correct Yes. So the Obesity Collective it describes itself as a group of committed individuals and organisations from across the community working to take on the obesity challenge together with empathy and a whole of society perspective. So that's where they describe themselves. Oh, doesn't that sound warm and fuzzy and little bit scary at the same time yes it is a little bit scary and i think that there they um sort of are a bit fast and loose with those words like empathy <laughs> anyway it's okay to be empathic as you try and eradicate people <laughs> that's exactly right so the obesity collective is headed by professor stephen simpson as you said and he's academic director of the charles perkins center and he's also sort of in the school of life science at the university of sydney and he's the executive director of obesity australia now professor simpson's research interests probably not what you would expect at this point no no. So in the past, he has developed an integrative modelling framework for nutrition using insects that has been applied to a wide range of organisms from slime moulds <laughs> and problems including the dietary causes of human obesity and ageing. He's also revolutionised the understanding of swarming in locusts. Like spanning neurochemical events within the brains of individual locusts and continental scale mass migration. How much do you reckon he studied empathy within locust populations? <laughs> well, I think that possibly more than within human population. <laughs> yes. I'm just putting it out there. Look, you know what? He has been to Oxford University. He's he's done a lot in his career. He's and he's very he's one of these charismatic kind of figures. And he, he's definitely bringing like a bit of a hip urban edge to the Charles Perkins Centre and definitely to the Obesity Collective and just trying to make it look really engaging and warm. Like the Obesity Collective are this group of helpful people and organisations who are there to kind of combat not just obesity but also obesity stigma, which is an interesting challenge to take on. Listeners might recall Professor Simpson from recently appearing on the ABC program The Drum with Dr Jenny Lee. Yeah, yeah. And the episode was about what's missing from the conversation, fat shaming and environmental factors. And there was Professor Stephen Simpson and Dr Jenny Lee. I think there was also someone with a lived, another person with a lived experience 
who had mm-hmm. been receiving treatment through the Child's Focus Centre or somewhere like that. Yeah, it was affiliated. I think it was from the Nepean Obesity Service. They trotted out one of their weight loss successes as a person of lived experience. So it was interesting. They also had, you know, Sarah Harry was featured, but um, she, unfortunately she wasn't live in the studio and her, you know, because she's an example of someone in a larger body who isn't riddled with internalised stigma. And unfortunately she just didn't get enough screen time. The program, in my opinion, was just heavily biased towards, it was, I mean, this message, right, of um, let's eradicate larger people and cure them of this so-called disease, but let's be nice about it too and eradicate stigma. Yeah, and definitely Stephen Simpson was saying a lot of the buzzwords that are supposed to portray this empathy towards people and sort of approach But what he actually was saying in his words was that, you know, we've got to eradicate and we've got to fix this and and that it's a problem and those sort of things. I think the, um, it was really funny. He did actually invite Dr. Lee to join the collective. So, um, yeah, yeah. So to join the obesity collective, he asked her after the show. Oh, yes, yes. So, but did she seem that interested in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you know, I, I think she actually said to him, look, as soon as you stand up against something like the fast track trial, maybe then, and he just didn't answer. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as we said before, the Obesity Collective was launched in July 2018 and they had um, a lovely reception, apparently sponsored by Novo Nordisk, which is a pharmaceutical company. Traditionally sold insulin, but the insulin market is really now very flooded. So they're building their business in weight loss drugs, but we'll talk a bit more about them later. Oh, We will, indeed. So they had their sparkly unlimited funding from Pharma, launch of the Obesity Collective at Charles Perkins Centre, and they they kind of bragged on for ages about how many people had joined the Obesity Collective. Yeah, so what they're looking to target for the Obesity Collective, they've got these specific groups. So they're looking for NGOs and academics, young entrepreneurs. Now, I'm not quite sure what they're going to be doing, but the private sector, community leaders, government, healthcare providers and people with lived experience. I haven't seen too much evidence of people with lived experience, but apparently they are amongst the people that are going to be joining the collective. Yeah. Novo Nordisk has actually described themselves in correspondence to politician as an active member of the obesity collective, which I found really interesting. Yes. Well, it's, it's prominent on their website that this is their big funder or partner. Yes, yes. So what so far have the Obesity Collective achieved in their first 12 months? Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're, they're good at um, raising the panic button, right? Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So there's been big plans. There was quite a few appearances in the media. So they've not only been on the drum, but they've been on sort of RN Drive and um, they've also been in the print media. But from what I can tell, there's only sort of three things that they've achieved in their first year, which, you know, someone might think that that's fairly good. But the first one was a report called Weighing In Australia's Growing Obesity Epidemic. <laughs> So it's basically a report that outlines statistics around the prevalence of obesity in Australia and bangs on about how much fatter will be at this rate and how many diseases are caused by fatness. 
And the cheekiest part of the report is where they recycle the statistics on the economic cost projections of obesity, which they directly from the Obesity Australia's 2015 report, which was prepared once again by PricewaterhouseCoopers, who will be seen a bit more of. And the report item is the report sponsored by Novo Nordisk. That, that report, the 2015 report, oh, 2015, which they definitely was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, unlimited research funds um, from Novo Nordisk. So the cheeky thing about, because that report from 2019 did not disclose any funding from Novo Nordisk. However, they've kind, this report has sort of cobbled together statistics on prevalence of body weights and, you know, grabbing all the statistics together and then plopping in these economic projections from a report from 2015, which was completely funded by a pharmaceutical company. So the information came from reports that were prepared using funding, but this particular report itself, I don't think it has any disclosure on it. No, it doesn't. It just said it was prepared by the Obesity Collective. It doesn't have a specific author, so we're not sure who wrote it. Any disclosure of funding. The other thing that they've done, which is a fact sheet, and the fact sheet is facts of the matter. Obesity is not just about personal responsibility. Oh, it's not all your fault. No. And this is like the crux of what the Obesity Collective and Obesity Australia just don't understand. And that is that the framing of obesity as a problem is what is stigmatising. Yeah. Whether they declare the responsibility to be shared among both individuals and the societies they live in. And that'll be a really long running theme through this is that they completely don't understand what is causing the stigma, the weight stigma, and that they actually think that weight stigma is their tool to get people to take specific actions about their health yeah try to lose weight yeah and perhaps use some different industry products to do that perhaps perhaps just rely on some sex ender which is maybe we'll give for those people who can tolerate it i've seen quite high rates of um side effects from it but for those people who who can stick it out and white knuckle it on it as long as they stay on it will give a fairly modest amount of weight loss overall according to their industry funded research I hope you guys listening are seeing why we've been down such a rabbit hole because we keep running into Novo Nordisk and we can't help but run into the fact that in 2015 Novo got TGA approval for Saxenda, which is a weight loss drug. And since they got that approval in Australia, they've been quite aggressive in raising the awareness of uh, how awful obesity is and how much it needs to be eradicated through avenues, we think, like these organisations. Yeah, yeah. So the third thing they've done is along with, and Hayes Australia also did this, and that's provided a submission to the Senate Committee inquiry on the the obesity epidemic in Australia. Once again, I'm just going to really apologise for language in this part. There's just no other way for us to navigate through it. And in that submission to the Senate, they said we, as in the Obesity Collective, are working to transform the way society thinks, speaks and acts on obesity to reduce the impact obesity has on all of us. Mm, like the most mind-numbing sentence because in one sentence one part of it is sort of claiming to try to destigmatize and then at the end they just 
stigmatize obesity. I know, to reduce the impact that body size has on us all. What? On us all, like everyone. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't get it, yeah. It's just really... Yeah, it's implicitly stigmatizing what they're aiming to do. And then, so you're right, that they just absolutely don't understand stigma. I think what they believe stigma to be is a barrier to weight loss. Absolutely. And they want people not to feel stigmatised about coming in and getting products. Weight loss drugs. <laughs> and, and, I mean, this is where I think Louise and I have sent ourselves half mad in yeah. the last few weeks because we have been banging our heads towards what is just vile language and such stigmatising rhetoric on mm. one side and then the other just blown away by how pervasive industry funding is here. I think one thing we really got to say is like we're not going to be able to cover this entirely today because it's just so much of it. But anyway, to get back to the submission, in the submission they said that the causes of the obesity epidemic are sort of three main things, sort of genetic, epigenetic and biological drivers, that they're environmental and that they're due to, the third thing was due to early life exposures. And they also say that this does not diminish each person's requirement to commit to behaviours to maintain a healthy weight for themselves and their children. Okay, and that is another mind boggle, right? So we absolutely acknowledge the massive amount of science to show that our body weight is completely beyond our control. Yes. But that does not excuse you from trying to lose weight. <laughs> and so this is it. This is the whole way through each one of these reports, each one of these submissions or anything is this like complete mind-numbing thing where on one hand they'll say, yep, all the sort of almost I want to say sort of hazy stuff. Mm. So, mm. you know, mm. these things are not really individually caused, but also they're very hard to change and those sort of things. And then on the other side of things, they're saying, but you should be doing something about it and it needs Keep trying. Mm. Yeah. So, they also talked about, in addition to the direct impact of physical health and the stigma of obesity is linked to bullying and health, mental health problems and low self-esteem. And it also going back to things like economic costs and stuff like that. Which, yeah, were beat up by Novo. But anyway. But however, what I found really interesting in the same report was that it said that according to that PricewaterhouseCooper report in 2015, the overall cost estimated of obesity in Australia in 2011 and 12 was 3.8 million billion sorry 3.8 billion in direct costs and 4.8 billion in indirect costs now that's a lot of money it might sound like a lot i i really would like to contest how much of that is really due to obesity but anyway that's a great number what we need to do is to compare that to the absolute like total health expenditure for that year, which was $150 billion. So even if their claims are true, this is like 5% of the health budget or 7% maybe. I thought we were going to be crippling the, the health system. No. <laughs> and this is the thing that is, for me, just mind-boggling, is that even when they come up with these estimations, they're actually... The numbers compared to our total health spend, I think, are really overstated. But anyway. That is the whole point of these kinds of reports. 
yes and yes. these kinds of um bodies and agendas is to really this is that the main kind of theme of all of these reports that the obesity collective are putting out is that they they're all the same that they start with you know obesity is bad and two, obesity is on the rise. And three, obesity causes diseases. And four, obesity cripples our health system. And so we all have to do something about it urgently. But it's not your fault and it's hard to fix. So here's some things that might work. That have, you, have your curds and whey. We would very much like to be put on the PBS. Anyway, so <laughs> just quietly. And so the other thing that that PricewaterhouseCooper report on the cost of obesity also says is it actually argues that the costs from the stigma of obesity is incalculable it is like so much more so once again another one of those mind-numbing moments where they are both creating stigma they're perpetuating it in one breath and then in another breath, recognising the damage that it does. It's, it's full of that, isn't it? Down our rabbit hole, we have seen moments where they nearly get it so many times and then miss it in the next sentence. And then you have that realisation where you go, oh, I can see it now. They're using stigma for their own agenda. I don't give a shit. So, so far, you know, really to sum it up, what they've done is very little other than promote themselves and raise hysteria over a so-called obesity epidemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and they're doing, you know, a pretty damn fine job of, of that. But then we went a little bit further down the rabbit hole because we're looking at, okay, here's this obesity collective. Who are they really? Because it's interesting, the obesity collective when you Google it, actually sits on a website for Obesity Australia. Yes, and that's because ultimately Obesity Australia are the legal entity and oversight body for the collective. So they're kind of one in the same. They even share the same ABN. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so, yeah, it's the same thing, but Obesity Australia is a registered uh, charity and that has been around for a bit longer. That's been around since 2011. Yeah, and they describe themselves as an independent, not-for-profit legal entity. So that's quite interesting. It is. Because between um, independent is interesting because between 2011 and 2015, Obesity Australia has received the majority of its funding from industry partners like Weight Watchers, Coles, Bupa, Allegan, and Allegan are the ones who make the lap bands, and other pharma companies including iNova and our old friends, Novo Nordisk, who have given almost 200 grand to Obesity Australia in between 2011 and 2015. Yes. And in 2011, when Allegan actually kicked off, kicked in quite a bit of funding, that's those makers of lap band devices, they kicked in 150000 to get them started and 100000 the next year. So over sort of three years, they kicked in about 300000 But in 2011, they were, um, in the years preceding, receiving quite a bit of media about how they were funding organisations, mm. uh, both here and overseas. So they had a bit of cred for doing this. Yeah, they, they also had a bit of bad press that came out, well, Allegan did in 
eventually, you know, Allergan and the Centre for Obesity Research in Melbourne got quite a lot of positive publicity for lap banding almost everyone that moved. And then it started coming out that actually people weren't doing so well. And there was a really good article, I'll put it in the show notes, about how Allergan were targeting, for example, teenagers and Aboriginal teenagers, low-income teenagers for its experimental operations. So when did that article come out? That was around 2000 and uh, around then, like early 2011 maybe. I'll have to double check. Either Obesity Australia didn't give a shit or (laughs) they were just completely tone deaf to what was happening with their funders, one or the other. Don't forget they're independent. (laughs) (laughs) So in that time from 2011 to 2015, and we'll talk soon about what happened in 2015 with OBC Australia, but in that time, so that first four years, they received just over a million dollars from partners and donors, but almost 80% of that money, that a million dollars donated to OBC Australia for all their mission statements and that sort of thing was actually spent on board expenses Mm. and consultancy. So there you go. And the actual board expenses were over 30% of the money that they were receiving as a registered charity. So this registered charity spent 80% of their money that they received on board expenses, salaries and consultancy. And of that 30% was board expenses, which um, hmm. yeah, I don't know whether that's remarkable. but that's, I, Is that tax-free? Those gifts were, they do have tax concessions for the money that they received. And I think also maybe their employees might get tax concessions. So there's, a, there's different tax concessions. Wow. So. Okay, so that's, that's a lot of money for all that independence. <laughs> it is. <laughs> And it's a lot of money. I don't know exactly what the board expenses were. They do say who was on the board. A lot of the people on the board also are recipients themselves of various monies from some of the funders Mm. um, or other things. So, um, yeah, quite a bit of money there. And since then, so since 2000. 15, Novo Nordisk has provided Obesity Australia with unrestricted grants to produce uh, two reports on the dire outcomes of the epidemic and the urgent need for uh, interventions, including, surprise, surprise, pharmacological interventions. Well, it's an urgent need, isn't it? Because um, in 2015, uh, Novo Nordisk got their weight loss drug, Saxenda, through the TGA. That's just a coincidence. Who would have thunk it? But it's actually, you know, it's really, I mean, further down the rabbit hole, there is actually on the Obesity Australia website under publications, you can freely go and click through to see a presentation from Novo Nordisk to Obesity Australia in which they are really blatantly and publicly saying they are committed in the long term to, there's this slide, it says, we are committed to create legitimacy and urgency for the medical management of obesity. It says this is a national health priority. However, it's not recognised as a chronic disease or requiring a chronic care pathway. Our ambition is to generate and disseminate evidence on the science of obesity and its consequences, further the recognition of obesity as a chronic disease and the need for long-term medical management, long-term medical management, and, of course, reduce stigma associated with obesity. 
that they're being really obviously blatant novo about their desire to sort of penetrate Australia's ears and raise this agenda. And really, I think what they're after is to get obesity labelled as a disease. If that happens, they can get disease status, which means that they can basically get Medicare funding yes. for their weight loss drug. What they want to appear on the PBS. Because at the moment, it is really expensive. And those um, things that you mentioned of Novo Nordisk, they really closely align with the obesity collective's agenda's sort of principles as well. You know, things like anti-stigma and get people into treatment and those sort of things. But also to raise the agenda, like to raise this idea of urgency, like this is a disease. Because actually, you know, Charles Perkins Centre and they do refer to obesity as a disease, and actually it's not. No. Yeah. In Australia, the Australian Medical Association does not consider obesity to be a disease. Even the World Health Organization does not classify body weight as a disease. The World Health Organization talks about risk factors but doesn't say that this is a disease process. And there's so, a reason for that, and that's because there's plenty of people in larger bodies don't have disease. I know, I know. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really obvious. So if you were to make it a disease, you would have a whole heap of otherwise people walking around who are healthy be classified as sick. And thinking how you perceive your health is a really important part of how healthy you are. So people who perceive themselves to be healthy actually generally are compared to those who perceive themselves not to have so much health, regardless of actually where their health status is. Just before we move on to Sydney University and the Charles Perkins Centre, I just wanted to point out to everyone that the influence of Novo Nordisk doesn't really end with being partners with Obesity Australia or providing unrestricted grants for them to write these reports that communicate urgency and dire outcomes for the obesity epidemic, that actually individuals within the obesity collective and within Obesity of Australia themselves are also receiving direct financial benefit from Novo Nordisk. So in the Obesity Collective, there's probably about 27 individuals who are sort of named over three groups as in governance, and eight of the academics there receive direct financial benefits. So they're either being paid for consultancy or um, they're having travel costs and things like that covered. A lot of them are being paid for consultancy and, and that sort of thing. There's another couple of academics who work in institutions that receive funding from Novo Nordisk. And then there's a further four that are employed by PricewaterhouseCooper, which we've talked about a few times and the interesting thing about PricewaterhouseCooper is that Novo Nordisk is a well-established and long-existing client of the multinational um, auditors and included in those academics who receive funding. You wouldn't believe who's there, Louise. Yeah. Have a guess. Who might be receiving some Novo Nordisk funding? So this is hard for me because it's hard for me to figure out who isn't. (laughs) A lot of them are, but our favourite, Professor Stephen Simpson. Yes, yes, yes. Well, he, um, 
And it's not hidden. This is not hidden. If you look at Professor Stephen Simpson, head of the Charles Perkins Centre, head of Obesity Australia, head of the Obesity Collective, sympathetic cricket man. Locus. Oh, sorry, Locus. (laughs) I get my bugs confused. So he's currently enjoying a research grant for a project which is called Ancestral Causes of Obesity, Understanding Epigenetic Transmission by Sperm. And uh, don't ask me like what this means because I don't know. But his his um, co-author on this research project is Romaine Barr, who is an academic at an interesting sounding place called the Novo Nordisk Foundation Centre for Basic Metabolism Research. And um, Mr. Barr enjoys unlimited research funding from Novo. And I'm not saying that this is being hidden because it's in plain view on the Charles Perkins Centre website. Stephen Simpson's not hiding this information. But, you know, it just seems, I don't know what the word is. It, 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 it's, it's quite... I didn't find that part out until this afternoon. So yeah. because we have been quite literally down this rabbit hole now for a while. And... I just couldn't believe it. I was maybe in different words saying, get out of town. <laughs> Shut the front door. There, uh, I mean, it's hard, basically, it's hard to find people who are involved, who are academics with Obesity Australia, the Obesity Collective, who are not in some way um, being paid by Novo Nordisk. Yeah, it's kind of, it got to the point where it was a little bit silly. And as you said, Louise, they're not making any, they're not hiding it. And what we've presented through this podcast is only what we had the time to put together. Like we didn't get to the end of the story here at all. We just wanted to put the podcast out before we 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 got old, frankly. We went insane, I think. So, and I think Louise, you mentioned how much they're receiving just the GPs to. Uh, oh, yeah. To Look, for Novo Nordisk, just generally GPs. I'm going to read out something which is from a serial, like an investigative reporter, like a proper investigative reporter. It says, Novo Nordisk's influence runs deep into the tight-knit world of obesity specialists. Our investigation, not mine, reveals a network of relationships in Australia that the company has nurtured by supplying financial support for professional research, conferences and education for doctors and stumping up money to help the leading not-for-profit professional groups, Obesity Australia and the Australian New Zealand Obesity Society, advance their causes. So Novo Nordisk has spent $3.2 million over three years on events, speaker fees and experts to sit on the company's medical advisory boards. The company's declaration shows 1,300 separate payments to Australian GPs, nurses and specialists over the last three years with recurring payments to a handful of prominent specialists. That's from a series of crikey articles I'll put up in the show notes, which really dove into how Novo is trying to penetrate Australia through these avenues of um, scientific legitimacy. So the crikey articles came out. They they are pretty damning of um, this whole process. And if you look on the uh, Obesity Australia website, they, they put up a response to, it says, response to recent media publicity, and they're not denying it. 
This is what I said. Obesity Australia is not reliant on any single source of funding and relies mainly on the unpaid contributions of committed individuals and organisations spanning many sectors. Obesity Australia is transparent about funding and projects that are funded by third parties are passed through our engagement with industry guidelines. These consider the nature of the project to be funded in relation to potential conflicts of interests and the degree of alignment between the commercial interests of the funder and improving the lives of those with obesity. Now, before you go on, I'm just going to have to call bullshit on that. (laughs) Because where it says we rely mainly on volunteers is... Yeah, unpaid volunteers. They're getting a million dollars worth of hours out of their volunteers. And that's extraordinary. I mean... Yeah. That's just completely not true. Yeah. That their organisation is mainly running off the back of volunteers. All they really said in that rebuttal was we're not just funded by Novo. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. But, yeah, the, the, I mean, this, this is a problem. And, of course, you know, these people are not going to fold and just say, yeah, we're doing the wrong thing, we're going to shut our doors, we're going to stop doing this. But the interesting thing about it, Louise, is, like, they do say it relies mainly on the unpaid contributions of committed individuals. In the Obesity Australia financial reports, they have to report to the Australian Charities and Non-for-Profit Commission. They yeah. have to list the number of volunteers they have and they're like single digits so, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you like that is just not true <laughs> well you know yeah yeah look we we don't know because uh, the the stuff that's actually listed for financial disclosures do stop in um 2017 and we don't have anything for the last couple of years there's a financial report that's overdue and we don't have anything, obviously, yet from this year. And also those financial reports start getting a lot less extensive 2015. And there's a reason for that. And that reason is that Obesity Australia in 2015, as of January 1, 2015, they joined the Charles Perkins Centre. Oh. Convenient. Interesting. They remain independent. They are remaining an independent legal entity. Ah. to be governed by the Obesity Australia Board. But they're now part of, they've joined the Charles Perkins Centre. Interesting. So, yeah, and since then we've had a lot less detailed information on their financial records and, you know, things are a lot more difficult. We do need to kind of probably become investigative journalists to figure out. Well, we know that that's unrestricted grants from Novo Nordisk and we know that Novo Nordisk has become a major player and basically all those other funders, although UPA is part of the collective and that sort of thing, we know that Novo Nordisk have really come to the fore with funding for the Obesity Collective and the Obesity Australia. Well, it just seems like everywhere you turn there they are. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of deep in everything. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because Charles Perkins Centre do pride themselves on on actually researching the impact of industry funding on research. Yeah, I saw that and I was wondering, wondering, and and this is where time was basically the restriction on this investigation because I was a bit tempted to see if I could find any of that research on funding and see if any of it was directed towards 
Novo Nordisk? No, it wasn't. So I've done that dive for you. I was in that rabbit hole. So in September 2018, there was a lot of news media which published the Charles Perkins research, which did show that industry funding skews research outcomes and showed that corporate funding makes um, excuse the research findings towards outcomes that are beneficial to industry as opposed to society. So Dr Alice Fabry, who co-authored the paper, she's from the Sydney School of Pharmacy, said the medical industry tends to fund research on products with the potential to generate high un- incomes like drugs and devices. And it says that disclosure by researchers of corporate payments, even if they're not directly related to the current research, is very important. It's quite interesting because uh, Professor Simpson himself has had a bit to say about funding for research and when it was revealed that the Bowdoin Centre for Obesity in Sydney had accepted money from Coca-Cola and... um, Professor Simpson, who, as we know, as well as being the director of Obesity Australia and a prominent part of the Obesity Collective, is director of the Charles Perkins Centre. And he said, this health program was accepted as a contract for services prior to the establishment of the Charles Perkins Centre and when the Bowdoin Institute existed as a standalone body. The Charles Perkins Centre has never accepted funding for research from Coca-Cola and maintain strict guidelines for engagement with industry to protect the integrity of the centre's core mission to improve public health. So I I had a look. I had a look at their strict guidelines for engagement with industry, just given the nature of what we were looking at. And it's an interesting read. I will pop that in the show notes as well. Gosh, there's going to be a lot of notes this time. But in these strict guidelines, it basically says it's really important for us to engage with industry. Yes. Because people basically are using industry, so let's engage with them and let's just be transparent about it. That um, they're not accepting money from that evil Coca-Cola because well, they've set a, a line there. They might. have, but I think we should, you know, remind them that maybe it's okay to accept it from Coke Zero. Just... <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, that will stop you eating. Yeah. But it really does stress in this the guidelines, that, that the need for transparency, that, that what he's saying, and, and you know what, he is actually on, on the board of directors of the transparency guidelines at Charles Perkins as well, since he's on every board possible, about transparency, he's always banging on about transparency in everything. And to their credit, Charles Perkins do, do look like they're pretty transparent, like they're saying Novo Nordisk funded our launch, the Obesity Collective, Novo Nordisk is funding Professor Simpson's research. However, and even on the reports that were funded, that they do say this report was funded by Novo Nordisk, that they're not being deceptive about that. But what I've noticed is out of all these reports that have been written, which beat up the whole kind of hysteria of the obesity epidemic and call for us all to do something, i.e. declare obesity, a disease, et cetera, et cetera. There's been a lot of media attention that's come from that, from those reports. And I counted like 11 news stories that Professor Simpson or someone else from the Obesity Collective or Obesity Australia has been talking about these reports and not once has any of that industry funding been mentioned in any of the news stories. Exactly. So, I mean, that, that is the thing. So for people like yourself and I 
when we read these reports, when we read this research, we are straight away going to, okay, so who's paid for this? But if you're a voter out there who isn't working in research or in health, you might not think to look for that. And when these people who have qualifications like professor and doctor are on the TV doing things like really amping up concern about weight and those sort of things, you might not perceive the fact that that person is receiving personal financial benefit and that all the reports and research that they're talking about is also being funded by pharmaceutical companies who are selling weight loss drugs or weight loss companies or those sort of things. So I think that is, you know, the essence of what really um, fires us up today. For us, it's been down the rabbit hole, just finding the place thick with industry funding, but we know that even though there is this appearance of transparency, that that is not getting all the way through to the average consumer who's watching TV, who's going to see their GP. Like a lot of the GPs out there are receiving funding to go and give talks and representation for Novo Nordisk. Now, you and I know how to access that list of GPs and even how much they're getting paid per, I think it's quarter. You might be going to see your GP and they might be recommending these products and you might not be aware that your GP has received $3,000 or in some cases $30,000 to talk to other healthcare workers and to promote Novo Nordisk or other pharmaceutical companies' products. Right. 1,300 GPs, nurses and health educators in three years from one pharmaceutical company. And I have to say, I've been on the receiving end of one of those invitations, which I found quite interesting one day because the GP in their write-up said that they'd found a cure for diabetes. thought that was extraordinary and I, I contacted them immediately and said that they must be anticipating their Nobel Prize for research and health in their letterbox any day if they have for diabetes and that I didn't think Sixenda was actually a cure for diabetes but they are penetrating amongst health professionals and getting them to promote these products and sometimes you know overstate their value um and definitely i know that the research because i actually i didn't go along to the event because i'm a completely independent dietitian and i've actually signed a registry to say that i am but when i did ask about what they are presenting as far as the research goes none of the research was long term none of the research was tracking what happened when people went off these drugs which of course is weight regain i'm going to do a whole podcast on saxenda because we didn't get to touch on the research and how that's worked, but I think it's important that people know about this because just um, I think, you know, there's not very many weight loss drugs around because they tend to be dangerous and ineffective, but Sex Centre really is being pushed and there's more coming too. The Crikey articles talk about how Novo have more drugs in the pipeline that they're testing and trying to get approved. So we're going to be in for more of this. And with these, like, I guess, you know, sparkly shock fronts like the Obesity Collective positioned in prestigious universities, like you said, it's really hard for the everyday person to figure out what science is really saying and what, what marketing and funding is doing to how we think about all of this. 
Another thing that we found was actually Charles Perkins' event called Fighting Truth Decay, which was quite... (laughs) Yeah, I'll put that up on the show notes. That was was an entire event that was, was talking about how difficult it is to understand what science is really saying with all of this problematic industry funding. And, of course, it featured our favourite professor. It did. Professor Locust is... Sorry, Simpson. Simpson. Yes. <laughs> well, you had the right, the right insect this time. I did. I did. But, you know, the, what this is what we're saying, seeing Charles Perkins, like lots of these trendy events, these really cool speakers and presenters. And, and wow, what a way to kind of design this idea that this is a university that you can really trust and this is a place that you can really trust because we're looking directly at industry funding, but we're still going to do it. And that was the Sydney's Ideas event, which is quite is quite on point at the moment. They did have a second Sydney Ideas event, which talked about lived experience. Unfortunately, they didn't record that, so I was <laughs> I found evidence of it actually existing, and I couldn't find a recording anywhere. And Sydney events, um, Sydney Ideas events, for anyone who's interested, they are really quite interesting. They actually form into a podcast. There's quite a few of them there. I tried to find it, it just was missing and I actually contacted one of the um, people who were featured who um, had had a lived experience and they said that unfortunately on the night they didn't record it. So our one chance and I just, while we're talking about lived experience, one thing that I did find on the Obesity Australia website among their projects, of course, is the Obesity Collective. But one of the Obesity Collective projects is something called the Weight Issues Network. Yeah. And, Louise, I just want to use your podcast to issue, like, a missing persons report. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit of MIA. I know. They don't appear to be anywhere. The way, so that is their network for people with lived experience, their carers, families and advocates and those sort of things. Now, Louise, between the two of us, we probably know quite a few people who are out there in the lived experience community who are definitely parts of committees and, and people who are doing the hard work of, of sharing their experiences to make healthcare better for people who are in bigger bodies. Did you find anyone who knew anything at all about the Way Issues Network? I did put the word out there and guess what? Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Because... I'm sorry about that pun. Literally nothing. No one. No one has heard of the Weight Issues Network. So I sent an email to the Obesity Collective asking about the, can I join the Weight Issues Network? And I, crickets again, nothing. So I couldn't find it either. And I actually reached out to some people who are working in public health and stuff like that. I put a post on a fairly prominent sort of Facebook group who would I would imagine might know about this if it did exist and nothing crickets. Crickets, you know, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that the lived experience of people in larger bodies is literally erased, quite literally, by not being recorded at a Sydney event and, you know, these apparently people just being absent. When when you look at the, the Obesity Australia website, I actually don't think there's any larger people on it. 
No, you can actually go to the collective page and you can t- click on a tab that says our journey so far. And it has them doing some funky little event where they create a work, a work of art out of all their a graffiti wall of all their thoughts and feelings about people in bigger bodies. That's and you so, can actually, That's so cool. You can see plenty of people who were involved on the day and they've even got some headshots of them and those sort of things. And there is not a person in a bigger body to be seen. <laughs> yeah. There was, it's just a sea of smaller body people writing on a big whiteboard about what people in bigger bodies should be doing. And that just really makes That's me awful. pissed. Yeah, this is a really important point. These organisations that are apparently about larger people that don't involve them anywhere, it's not acceptable. I mean, at at Hayes Australia, we are very conscious of that whole problem and always trying to champion and centre people with lived experience, Not, not in an erasive way. I mean, you know, maybe the obesity collective need to really think about like the reality on the ground of inviting people to be involved in a collective that wants to literally obliterate people who look like them. <laughs> Have a think about that. Well, I mean, you know, like, that's the thing, you know, who, who would want to be involved? But we see in other groups, we see in disability and in Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islanders, that really understanding of the need for representation and really for community-driven interventions. And, you know, that's really un- well understood, I think, now. And these guys just haven't se- don't seem to have it. Still, yeah, still stuck in 1935 with, um, with all of this. I just want to finish because we've got to wrap it up because we've been chatting for ages. But I do want to just, um, I've, got, I've got some notes here about Novo Nordisk and how there's this really scary direct quote from Reuters in 2017. It says, Saxenda only accounts for 2% of Novo's overall sales, but analysts expect it to sell more than a billion dollars by 2023. And their CEO argues that Saxenda is just the first step. This is a direct quote. I see a huge opportunity in obesity and I don't see a lot of competitors moving into the space, he told Reuters during a visit to London. Obese patients are not hard to identify and diagnose and they're all waiting for something that works. I think we have some trustworthy bets. Yeah. Does that make you feel a bit sick? It does. It just, in wrapping up, I think what we really should clarify is, so what is the big agenda here? The big agenda is for companies like Novo Nordisk and particularly Novo Nordisk to be providing funding for organisations like Obesity Australia or the Obesity Collective, which are essentially one and the same, to really push to have obesity declared as a disease in Australia. That is really what they want to happen. And the reason for that is because they want to increase their market for their weight loss drugs. Yeah, if they can get it on Medicare, they get tax fa- they get taxpayer funded money. It's like printing money if that can happen. And you know, I really hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the thing that's been mind-numbing through this for us is that the Obesity Australia and the Collective have made claims throughout this and their claims from the the Obesity Collective um, claim that they're committed to being inclusive, which we've found no, they're not. No. The stigma when actually they're no. 
to be mindful of health inequalities. I've seen no evidence of that. Being informed by evidence and prepared to innovate. <laughs> unless innovation is their pharmaceutical solutions, no. And to disclosing potential conflicts of interest, which, as we said, like, they do, but our concern is that they're only going to be apparent to people who are informed already healthcare workers or researchers. They're not really apparent when they get down to the general public. No. No, not when they're talking about these media reports. So my encouragement to everyone listening is next time you hear a media report on how just how awful Australia's obesity epidemic is and you hear the Charles Perkins Centre, know where it's probably come from. Yeah, yeah, all, all what that funding, you know, question what funding that researcher or that expert mm. is in providing that information. Yeah. Oh. Epic marathon rabbit hole trip with you, Mandy. Thank you so much. I know. It's been, it was a bit terrifying to start. <laughs> that, and I hope that we presented a bit of a cohesive story for everyone. I yeah. think we had, we, had a, we had a red hot crack at it, at being investigative reporters. And, like, you know what, we've come a long way from Miss Muffet's Tuffet to through the rabbit hole and out the other side, which is hopefully, you know, kind of seeing the tentacles of um, Big Pharma infiltrating media and everyday conversations about this. So um, everyone is as blown away as me and everyone also goes and enjoys some potato crisps this week. <laughs> oh my gosh can everyone please like post pictures of you eating lethal potato chips up on the untrapped website uh, sorry, facebook page i would absolutely kill myself laughing so funny yes or if you have a recipe for curds and whey like <laughs> to the last <laughs> <laughs> oh my god thank you so much again thank you very much louise for unpacking this with me i really appreciate it bye oh, i'm completely spent after that episode and everything that led up to it i want to thank my amazing guest mandy lee for her incredible insight and tenacity in like she's so determined in burrowing into this rabbit hole and getting hold of so much information. She is a powerhouse and I really just can't thank you enough for everything that you put into that. Thank you so much, Mandy. And if you would like to contact Mandy or find out more about her and what she does and all the amazing work she does with people in her dietitian career, you can find her at nourishedapproach.com.au. You can send her an email to mandy at nourishedapproach.com.au. And she's also got a Facebook page, which is nourished approach so find out more connect with mandy and if you're lucky enough to live in brisbane and are looking for an awesome anti-diet dietitian go see mandy because she is awesome it's been a long episode and i really thank you all for hanging in there with me and i hope that you can take with you in your little toolbox of anti-diet weaponry a lot more critical thinking about anything to do with the Obesity Collective, Obesity Australia, the Charles Perkins Centre, or any of these academics who uh, might be talking as if they're completely unbridled by big pharma interests, but have a look behind the curtain and, and see if there's anyone influencing uh, that person's point of view. 
So I'm off for a good stiff drink, I think, and I really look forward to upcoming episodes. The rest of this year is, it's an absolute cracker. I tell you, I can't wait to bring you even more fury-inducing episodes. So thank you all for staying with me. I look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture, untrap from the crap. (laughs) 